You're listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema with Big Willie and the Samurai, bringing class to trash since Yeah, you can, Lorenzo. Hey, we are here. <laughs> the show is actually working. Okay, just to, give, <laughs> just to give everybody a heads up, uh, we've been, uh, well, yeah, we have been working on uh, trying to record this since, uh, well, about an hour ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it took us a full hour to even get this much recording done. Uh, don't know what the properties and insanity and gremlins and whatever else was messing with us, but uh, it was. So we're going to try. To at least get something out this week, try to do an abbreviated thing. Um, and hopefully we can get both of them done this morning before my daughter wakes up. If not, we'll uh, well we'll figure that out behind the scenes. But just to give you a full behind-the-scenes look, chaos at the GGTMC <laughs> studios. So I am back. I am a samurai across town from me. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> my good friend Todd, how you doing, bud? All right, brother, doing all right. Yeah, we've had a long morning with no recording, but we've yes, we've had a lot of typing, a lot of talking. I was teasing Todd, saying I probably should have released the just me going through technical stuff. This would probably have been entertaining enough for most of you guys, I guess, but uh, <laughs> we don't need to do that. Um, this week, it's DiabolicDVD.com. Head over there for all your hard to find genre needs, and even not head over there and support the guys. They uh, they sell just about everything. Uh, certainly, stuff that. Uh, people who listen to a podcast about quote-unquote midnight cinema is interested in. Mm-hmm. And this week, uh, Todd selected the selections, uh, selected the selections, selected the films. Uh, we're doing uh, the Gong Show movie from 1980 and uh, De La Morte, De La Morte, or Cemetery Man from 1991. No, four. There we four. go. There we go. Yeah. I don't know why I think one all the time, but it's 94. Uh, so that is what we are doing. We are not going to do what we've been watching because that would take time and we don't have that. Um, yeah, it's a premium uh, deal here. Time is a definite premium. So we're going to jump right into it. You have a preference on, uh, what you'd like to cover first? Anything in particular? Um, doesn't matter to me. If you want to go chronological, we can do that. Uh, sure. Let's do that. Let's do the gong show movie first. We'll, uh, let me pull up some details, some deets as the, uh, the kids from 20 years ago said, 
Uh, let's see here. In their Jinko jeans. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see here. Okay. So I will say this. Uh, I can't say this before I talk about the actual film itself. This is a Blu-ray release. I never thought this movie uh, would ever get a uh, a release of any sort. The reason being is this is one of those films that definitely is a, is an acquired taste. It's a, it's a strange creation. Uh, I don't really know who or what it's made for. Uh, it's about as niche as niche gets. Yeah, it really is. And rewatching it this time, I really remembered that, you know, probably the only time I ever saw this film growing up, I saw it randomly on cable TV occasionally. Mm-hmm. But it was never something that uh, people were really pushing to come out. And uh, really the most interesting thing about it is Chuck Barris himself. So as is usually the case with anything Chuck Barris related, he's the most interesting thing about whatever's going on. Uh, you know, yeah. I mean, they have the man of many hats and, uh, <laughs> the Literally man, and figuratively. yeah. And the man of, uh, he can't stay still. He, he constantly has this shoulder shrug head movement thing that he does that he just can't quit doing. Anyway, the gong show movie, uh, directed by Chuck Barris, written by Chuck Barris and Robert Downey senior, which of course, if you see this movie, you can kind of tell Robert Downey senior might be involved with the writing. It's kind of a stream of consciousness in some ways with a little bit of story. Uh, let's look at, like we said, 1980, um, starring one, uh, Chuck Barris, uh, and, uh, several other people, uh, uh, a lot of character actors, Mabel King's in there. I think she played the mom on what's happening. Uh, Robin Altman plays the, uh, I think the, uh, girlfriend, the girlfriend. Yeah. Um, and I think she was also the announcer on the gong show. Wasn't she? Uh, no, she may have, yeah, she may have been, I watched the gong show a little bit. I mean, I didn't specifically uh look for the gong show when i was a kid but my mom and dad watched it mm-hmm. and so by by proxy i watched it um so i remember quite a bit about it obviously i've seen a lot of episodes and, and amazingly over the years and one of the things that's interesting about the gong show is um how many people kind of were on there that kind of went on to do stuff um yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the movie i think uh vincent scavelli is in there but he's he was already an actor but well, Taylor Negron's in there. Yeah, Taylor Negron's very, very in there. Negron's supposedly, in there. very young Phil Hartman. Yeah, supposedly Danny DeVito's in there somewhere. I didn't see him. I didn't spot him at all. Yeah, he might have been dressed up for all I know. Uh, again, just a lot of people. Tony Randall's in there. Of course, we he comes from the Gong Show. So we'll get into this. I don't know if you want to lead on this. You want me to lead on this? I don't know. Uh, I can lead on this. Not a, okay. Not a problem. Sure. Sounds good. Um. You get uh, not even a minute into this movie, and you find out that it's pretty much uh, Chuck Barris' love fest slash vanity project, yeah. uh, as, as it was going to be. I mean, yeah, uh, you know, this is something that just came strictly out of his mind. Um, what I found, what I liked about the uh, the uh, opening up there is that uh, as Chuck's waking up, we have the auditions. Uh, kicking up too, revving up, so it's a nice little kind mm-hmm. of build up to jumping into the audition footage. Because what this movie does is it cuts between these uh, vignettes of uh, Chuck walking around and be- feeling sorry for himself for having such a great life, and then <laughs> um, and then it cuts to either audition footage or footage from the Gong Show itself. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's interesting because well, I-, I like it because it actually it looks like. Uh, you know, it was recorded off of video. Yeah, it was filmed off of video. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what, what's really interesting about it is that 
it, it's kind of hard to discern sometimes what's real and what's fake until you get to the next scene that's shot on film because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. the stuff will lead into that. Right. Uh, and I like that kind of thing. I like that kind of you know twisting it around, uh, playing with uh, reality and and fiction and kind of you know intermingling them. Um, it's something that really appeals to me. Yeah, it's it's the stuff that works best in the movie because mm-hmm. some yeah. of the other stuff is very strange. The essentially what you got is it's almost like Chuck Barris going through a, a midlife crisis. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, while being the be the very successful producer of the Gong Show, and one one of the other things I like about it too is I like that he can't go anywhere without somebody auditioning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's kind of, that's kind of the whole shtick of the movie. That's like yeah. the it's a, it's a vignette kind of style movie, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, almost every episode uh, is basically some nut job on the street, uh, you know, <laughs> attacking him and or. Try, just doing something wacky to try and get on the show. Like, hey, you're uh, Chuck Berry. Chuck yeah. Barris, Barris, Barris. I love it when he got Ruth buzzied by the uh, domestic <laughs> dispute couple that he was trying to break up. Yeah. Yeah. He just waxed him with the purse. <laughs> love it. Um, but uh, you also get a little bit of Chuck singing with the with his cowboys, uh, his little country western uh, guys. Yeah, I tried to find some music uh, online to uh, put into the show this week but some of those songs are really difficult to find uh i find that hard to believe i know i know i that i'd find that hard to believe as well i mean i guess i could well here's a couple here's a couple of the titles just to give you an idea uh sometimes it just don't pay to get up and why me oh lord (laughs) i mean this is really it's just amazing to me how you know put upon he portrays himself as being in this uh, in this movie uh, and I get it. I mean, you know, that whole, you know, being popular thing really kind of sucks because you never have a private life. Yeah. And that's that's kind of what the, the movie's about is, you know, there's no privacy at all. These people are putting themselves on display and, you know, he's always in the public eye so he can't get any rest. And, you know, it's that kind of thing. So it, it kind of does tie together in, a, in an odd, odd, odd sort of way. But then, um, you know, some of the some of the vignettes just are complete shticks and or uh just kind of weird visual gags like the one with uh with jp morgan waking up in the morning yeah uh in her heart-shaped <laughs> bed and there's like four guys in there with her yeah 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 um so you know it, it really it's such an odd duck of a movie you really kind of have to be prepared for it or in the mood for it um well, I think but this I, is, you know this is the era too where you know people are starting to look inward to things. You know, this is the late seventies, early eighties. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Barris has always been a, a a bigger personality than even he can control. I mean, he's still around. People, some people think he's dead. He's still he's still alive and kicking. He's yeah, eighty seven. Uh, I think uh, he went through major heartbreak about a couple years, a few years after this, because his daughter had gotten wired up on drugs and alcohol and she ended up passing away oh, see, I, didn't know I think that. i think she died uh, she may have died from hiv maybe it was hiv maybe AIDS. i don't know but it was something very tragic she's in the movie briefly you can tell it's her because she looks like chuck barris in the face which is either a blessing or a curse i don't know but he, <laughs> he dog. yeah he uh i've always felt barris is the kind of guy who was happy being successful mm-hmm. but always wanted to be known for something else yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of that's kind of what that's kind of where where you get that whole confessions of a dangerous mm-hmm. mind thing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like he was I, almost not, embarrassed to be known for the dating show and for yeah. you know this stuff. And 
you know, I, I, again, I think his ambitions were always high. And, you know, as far as pop culture goes, he's uh, not only an enigma, he's there's certainly a major influence, but uh, especially with television and, and that pop culture, uh, reality TV, you could argue, is almost in some ways created by, not created, but certainly enhanced by Chuck Barris. Absolutely. This show, well, I think the difference between uh, something like The Gong Show and something like, I don't know, uh, whatever the fuck is on TV now, I don't know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. is that is that this was really, this was, it. This The Gong Show was in on the joke, right? Right. And these people went on there to be weird. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he wanted to give them the showcase to do that. He was just like, hey, look at this guy. He's weird. So, you know, it's a different thing now where it's just people are going on there thinking that they they want to be famous and not quite understanding all the time that uh, they're really horrible. So they get kind of ridiculed more for it, whereas the gong show, yeah, they got made fun of. Sure. But, you know, everybody was it was all for a laugh. Everybody knew that going in. Yeah. Uh, There's a there's a certain self-seriousness to a lot of. these talent shows and reality TV now that just mm-hmm. is was not present back then because it was they they kind of were just playing with it and you know well I got a theory uh, on that nowadays somebody yeah. that's on the Gong Show would be uh, <laughs> would probably be uh, you know with the way our culture generates uh, popularity now uh, somebody that was on the Gong Show for five minutes doing I don't know uh, slicking on popsicles one of the controversial bits that was on the Gong Show. Nowadays, that. you could probably, with the internet and everything else, you could probably get 15 minutes of fame out of that, even oh, more so than you could then. I mean, you, it's just the way it is. I mean, back then, of course, the only way people could have watched a repeat of the Gong Show is if they potentially were one of the few people that had VCRs in the late 70s and could have recorded it. Uh, you know, once you saw it, I mean, you come to the water cooler the next day, quote unquote, at work and say, hey, man, did you see the popsicle bit on, you know, Chuck Barris, man, went too far. Or did you see J.P. Morgan, you know, flash your tits on uh, <laughs> on TV? He, he went too far. Um, so, you know, obviously, Chuck, it was a party atmosphere. And, uh, yeah, nowadays, you know, people can do some really crazy stuff and, and, and get popular. But there seems to be a, a tone of mean behind it now, which is, I think, a cultural yeah. thing as well. And yeah. the way we've changed. But this well, does, I agree with you. a lot more cynical, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Gong Show's become synonymous with saying things are a total, total fucking nightmare. Like it's, it's like you know, even Will says it, and we've said it on the show. You know, and you know, I mean, I I can wake up in the morning, I got plans on what I'm going to do that day, and everything goes wrong, and me and him will be talking on the phone, and he'll just say, just one of us will just say, total fucking Gong Show, man. <laughs> it's become synonymous with saying, you know, everything that could possibly go bad <laughs> went bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, but that was the that was the idea behind the show. Uh, I think a lot of people forget that. It was never a show, I think, to make stars. I think it was a show for Chuck Barris to get people on to uh, have their 15 minutes and to have fun and to riff because that's what he was best at was riffing. He he really, I think one of the problems with this movie is it's written and not riffed enough. Yeah, I can see that. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it feels a lot more... Uh What's the word I'm looking for? Constrained in mm-hmm. that way? Yeah, yeah. Well, you get two barrises, two different barrises, right? I mean, again, I think he's probably a pretty normal guy. Uh, well, as normal as he can be behind the scenes. Yeah. But Chuck Barris on the Gong Show was this, you know, like you said, man of many hats, uh, clapping, dancing, 
uh, acting crazy. I mean, it, uh, he was as much uh, a part of the show as anything. The thing that the, the two things that I always took away from, um, well, actually three things that I always took away from the Gong Show, aside from being this being the the, the home away from home for Jamie Farr and J.P. Morgan, uh, is that <laughs> yeah, I got the unknown comic yeah, uh, which he's displayed prominently in this film yeah. Um, and, uh, of course, uh, Mr. Gene Patton, uh, mm-hmm. AKA Gene, Gene, the dancing machine. Yes. Uh, th- which was just the greatest thing. I, to this day, I'll stop everything I'm doing to watch a, a clip of Gene, Gene, the dancing machine, yeah. who was, uh, doing his little jump into the, jumping in the, at the woodside, I think is the song that he always <laughs> dances, to, uh, or jumping by the woodside. But either way, um, cause, um, we had a, um, friend of the family who his name was Gene. We called him uncle Gene and. Of course, we would always uh, we made up the little song about him. Uh, Gene Gene the dancing machine lost his pants at Halloween when he found them they were green. Gene Gene the dancing machine. Nice. And of course, <laughs> it plays into this. Uh, and that's one of the things that I, actually I was very disappointed at uh, in this film was that we don't get Gene Gene doing his uh, doing his thing really. I mean, you kind of get it off on the side. Yeah. But you don't get an actual you know little thing with him doing his. Uh, his little hits and uh, you know his little dance moves. Yeah, you get it as a kind of like a highlight during the montage of many the many montages of Gong Show. Yeah, but it's in the background on this one. It wasn't yeah, yeah. like yeah, featured. And I was kind of I was kind of upset by that. And then you know later on, of course, Gene does get to uh, to do a little a little bit of singing, mm-hmm. quote unquote, right. uh, towards the end there. Um, but uh, yeah, no, that was that was you know I lived for that. I still do. I'm I, you know I'm a perennial ten year old. Uh, I love the uh, the secretary uh, Mabel. I don't know if that was her name in the movie, but regardless, uh, and her mother. <laughs> her mother's always trailing her around, and she's always asking her mother, "Is that right, mom?" That's right. Mm. Love it. Uh, they work really well together. And then you get Mister Didalo, yeah. which is a name just ripe for the plucking. <laughs> yeah. uh, That's true. Constantly just being a, a you know a studio executive, but but you know he also plays it as he's not like this villainous studio executive he's just kind of like an uh, a prickish meaning well kind of guy um so you don't you, you know the, the movie doesn't have any kind of real tension to it uh you're not going to watch this for for a story where you know it, it's chuck against the evil uh corporate uh big wigs or anything like that um it's just more you know his frustrations from day to day and uh, and doing his his thing mm-hmm. Um, let's see, let's see. Do, 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 do. Oh, <laughs> I like the scene in, uh, with, uh, Bernie, his buddy Bernie in the sauna who, uh, who loves hawking every 22 year old in his building. Yeah. I never heard the word hawking in regards to fucking. No, so. I never have either, but he never. says it a lot. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, and then later on, of course we also get from him, uh, Knippy, yeah. AKA your love handle. Love handles. Yes. AKA a hickey on your Knippies, like a Hallmark <laughs> card. Yeah. <laughs> To uh, misappropriate Greece. Yeah. Um, to do, do, uh, yeah. The the the, uh, the montage clips that they have of the uh, the Gong Show itself is really the the best and the worst. It's the the grown worthy stuff as well as the really truly funny stuff. I loved the Tony Randall thing where he's just standing there singing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's such a, a, a self aware moment. Uh, you just you gotta love it. And I love Tony Randall too. I always did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, he's one of my favorite uh, actors from that era. Uh, you get Melvin doing his chicken singing, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> his, his chicken singing thing where he kind of box box through a, a song. 
Yeah, they carry yeah. they carry that bit. Uh, they just keep they carry that one on for a while. They give him three encores, right? <laughs> yeah. And then he collapses, and then they carry that over into the, uh, yeah. the quote unquote real world. I love uh, that Barris he, seems so concerned. I mean, that he's so concerned in the movie anyway that he would actually go to the hospital to visit somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, Which I don't know if the real Barris would have done that. I mean, I, again, I don't know. Barris seems he's such a enigma. He's such a he's not a recluse, but he's such a you know he's put that biography out and it's so off the wall. Yeah, that he just seems like somebody that lives in his own imagination. And, and you know, maybe he's telling the truth. Hell, I don't know, but I mean. I, well, <laughs> I mean, it's it's got no, and as crazy it, as it is, but you know, you say truth is stranger than fiction, so I mean that's a possibility. Yeah. yeah. But the Melvin uh, sequence was really the first time that it, it occurred to me. Um, what they're doing with the uh, the Gong Show footage and the the other footage, uh, and mixing it because you know we go backstage. This is the first time that we go backstage with the Gong Show footage, and mm-hmm. it's still not shot on video. Right. And then uh, you know, spoiler. Uh, Melvin collapses, right? Because I mean, we already said he's going to be in the hospital. So, um, Melvin collapses, and then we cut to the hospital thing. And you're, you're sitting there, and I actually wrote on there, you know, it shows us backstage, but even this is staged right. You know, mm-hmm. are you 100% sure? Well, did Melvin actually have an episode? I kind of doubt it. <laughs> uh, but, you know, especially when we get to the next, uh, the next segment, uh, he's pretty, uh, he's pretty spry. Um, but it's that kind of thing where you know we're still we're going from the reality reality of what they were actually showing on the Gong Show to this other reality of uh, of this fantasy world that uh, the Barris is is showing us. Uh, and, I, and and again, and I mean, like I said, that's something that really appeals to me because I, I love that I love that mixing thing. I guess you could call it meta um, sort of uh, filmmaking, but I like that. Right. Uh, we got the country tunes. I already said that. Uh, J.P. Morgan flashes her, her tits. Always good. Uh, the Rip Taylor shows up for uh, <laughs> yes, of for course. The great the great restaurant scene. When, when I was growing up, Rip Taylor always showed up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> throwing glitter and yeah. cackling. It could be any show I was watching, and somehow, some way, Rip Taylor showed up. I don't know. <laughs> he seems to be he seems to be all over my childhood. Every time I see him, I just have these flashbacks to my childhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Red is to be piggish, hot. Uh, she is. She likes, she likes to go braless and unbutton her shirt, you know, as yeah. far down as she possibly can, and I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, just a little little piggy comment there for there. Um, you have the uh, oh, the unknown comics uh, boudoir pic of him uh, naked with the the bags on. <laughs> yeah. Always in character. No, um, yeah. Did he get unmasked on the Gong Show or was it on another show? I can't remember. I remember. I want to say it was on another show because yeah. I think when he got unmasked on the Gong Show, he pulled it off and there was like another mask. On yeah, <laughs> I um, remember. I remember it was a big deal, a big pop culture moment when the yeah unknown comic got his uh, bag taken off his head. It was almost like a wrestler getting his mask taken off, right? Yeah, and then just Murray Langston underneath there, and he and he uh, <laughs> he just looks like a regular guy with a mustache. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, at its heart, you know, this is really kind of a, a shaggy dog story. It just kind of meanders around, uh, not really going anywhere, but kind of having a point, but not really. Um, so it just kind of, you know, wends its way on through and then it comes to the end. Um, it's, uh, 
What the hell? Oh, uh, there's the the newspaper uh, on the mantle. I guess it was a faux newspaper. I'm assuming uh, that has the uh, the headline "Gong Gong Movie Smash Hit Barris Next Fellini," uh, <laughs> which is you know I find I found that really nice because you know they're showing you this in the movie that he's filming. Yes. So again, it's one of those nice little things that just—it's a touch that uh, that I like. Yeah. I can see the Fellini comparison as far as tone sometimes. Sure, but certainly, obviously, certainly not visuals. I mean, obviously, this yeah, is not technically. No. Yeah, yeah, it's not. You know, Fellini has some of the greatest visuals in cinema history, and uh, I think he's an acquired taste. You either like him or are you love him or you hate him. Some people cannot stand Fellini, but. Very few that I know, but I mean, I, I I have shown some Fellini stuff to people who are interested in, you know, other Italian filmmakers of that ilk, uh, Bartolucci and people like that. And I've shown them some Fellini and they're just like, this is terrible, man. Is this a movie? Uh, I find that hard to believe, but. Uh, yeah, I know. Of course, uh, as a cinema buff, you would. but Yeah, uh, yeah, but know, different strokes. I yeah, get it. Yeah. People trying to get into some more Italian cinema, you know, you try to. Maybe Fellini isn't the way to go from Bartolucci, but, you know, who knows? Uh, yeah, there. <laughs> Fellini kind of stands on his own, though, in Italian cinema, if you really think about it. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We've never done any Fellini on the show. It's hard to believe. Really? Yeah, we've never done any. Wow. I mean, we'll talk about him all the time. We've never done any. That's though. amazing, seeing as how that's his favorite filmmaker. Will's favorite filmmaker is Fellini, so. Yeah, well, that's one of, yeah, it's definitely one of his favorites, yeah. So he, we just never have done anything. I think it's... It's one of those things where, like, once upon a time in the West, we've just never covered it because I don't, I, you know, I love it so much. I don't know what I can say about it at this yeah, point. Yeah, but I'm sure we will at some point. Yeah, I look forward to hearing it. <laughs> uh, to, to, to Chuck is trying to get away from it all. Uh, you know, finally he kind of snaps, um, <laughs> yeah. and he doesn't want to get "quote unquote" goosed in Rome, <laughs> uh, which I got a kick out of. Yeah. Uh, then. <laughs> Out of nowhere, you get the USC marching band just because. Yeah, that's uh, this. It gets us most Fellini esque in his uh, nervous breakdown. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it really, yeah, it becomes that kind of, that kind of let's put on a show uh, pageantry kind of yeah. thing. Jardarski uh, light. I'm sorry. Jardarski light, very yes. light. <laughs> yes, very very light. Um, you get the inspirational song in the desert, which is kind of kind of browbeating them. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, but when, you know, you boil it all down. This is really a film in the sense that uh, some of it's shot on film, um, and that's about you know as, as much cinematically. I mean, this could is, have easily been uh, a movie of the week, except for the cursing and and uh, you know a little bit of nudity, mm-hmm. uh, as it as it could be. I know I, I couldn't see this being uh, you know huge cinematically because it's not a very cinematic film. No. Uh, because it comes from television, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I suppose that I mean, if you really put on your thinking cap, you can make a lot of connections, uh, especially you know because of what I've been saying between the uh, the real the different quote unquote realities, the, the way that they're shot, the, you know, all that sort of thing. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's really not it's really not a, a movie that you watch for its story. Uh, it's a movie that you watch just to kind of turn off and. Um, you know, get into this little goofy bunch of uh, segments, almost like a groove tube kind of thing in a way, right? Or like yeah. um, something along that line. To me, it's like it, this film is like the perfect definition of a cult movie because it's oh yeah, it's it exists 
for people who remember the Gong Show, and it exists for people who don't know anything about the Gong Show, but it exists in such a narrow thread <laughs> of pop culture and where it is that it, it, like I said, it's just bizarre to me that this even ever got a release. I'm glad it did. I mean, this thing got pulled from theaters. It flopped pretty hard. And uh, he got pulled from theaters pretty quick. And Barris was pretty embarrassed. Embarrassed. Oh, there we go. And uh, Yeah. That would be the... Uh, Chuck Embarrassed. The variety headline. <laughs> yeah. Barris Embarrassed. So uh, he was pretty embarrassed by it. Um, I don't, again, as a movie, uh, a lot of it doesn't work. Uh, and it's very ham-handed to me. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. As a time capsule piece, uh, a moment in time... It, it, it's a it's a true oddity. It's 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 worth a watch, but it's I don't really fascinating in that. Sense, yeah, yeah, I don't think uh, you know certain people are going to get a lot out of it. Um, I mean, mostly I think it's a nice like addition to you know I think Confessions of a Dangerous Mind is a great movie. Oh yeah, and it's a nice kind of uh, sibling piece to that to kind of really see the real Barris, or maybe not the real Barris, maybe the Barris he always portrayed. On TV, maybe the real Barris is the guy that gets out of bed in the morning and and just can't get going. Yep. Um, I, I I don't know. I mean, he he certainly has uh, taken care of himself. I mean, he's lived to be the ripe old age of eighty seven. He's still doing interviews every now and then. He still pops up every now and then. He still seems to be quite together. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's done a lot of work in uh, uh, drug abuse and and rehab and things like that. And he still does lectures in uh, California, I believe. Um on pop culture and things like that. But he, his, his life is such a fascinating one. And he's such a fascinating person that I don't know if you, if anybody will ever really know who the real Chuck Barris is. Uh, yeah. I, I kind of doubt it. I think he's taken that with him. Yeah. To the- yeah. I think he will too. I mean, just to kind of give some people some more fill in. He, he was a, his original kind of hit with success was, uh, co-writing, uh, Palisades park with uh was it bobby vinton that sang that i, I, I can't remember uh, i don't think it was bobby vinton who was that that sang that damn song let me look it up here real quick i got his uh freddie cannon freddie cannon there, there you go. go uh bobby vinton was another thing that he was connected to later on but um that reached number three gave him uh gave him money and then he uh started kind of working in the game show business kind of by happenstance some of his music started showing up in there not the most talented musician certainly though esoteric and and strange almost this i don't i don't know what his music is almost this kind of weird like maybe uh, grunge cowboy music before it was <laughs> it was there but uh certainly very strange i mean I, it has its appeal i mean i can it's almost like uh lawrence cohen uh, uh light or was it lawrence cohen i, I don't even know what i'm talking about uh leonard cohen leonard leonard there we go lawrence anyway it's <laughs> another larry cohen there there by lawrence um but, you know, success comes and I, I, I mean, obviously, I don't know. I don't know if he meant to be a successful game show guy. But, you know, we're all not always meant. I was talking to somebody about this the other day at work. Uh, what I do for a living, which I won't mention on the show, but what I do for a living is not what I wanted to do with my life. No. Um, so sometimes you just fall into things and you just don't know how that happens. But sometimes you do. And. And that's the way it goes. Um, oh yeah, he did do he did do a book on his daughter in 2010. That was the last thing that I know he did uh, a memoir about her. But he's he's written a few books. Um, obviously, Confessions of Dangerous Mind is probably his most popular piece. But I think he's written some uh, some fiction as well. So 
I mean, he's a, he's a multi-talented guy. It's just, you know, he just has a very strange... I mean, he writes, he, he creates TV shows, he writes music, he writes books. He's a renaissance man in every way and shape and form, but he, uh, I don't know, strange guy. He says he still lives outside of New York. He still lives up there. Oh, yeah, by the time of her death. She was 36. She died from alcohol and cocaine in 98. She was also HIV positive by the time she passed away. So it wasn't HIV that killed her. I think she died of a drug overdose, but it's a real shame. Yeah, it is. Well, yeah, I mean, just because, you know, I mean, that, that's that got to be tough. 36 years old, she's, you know, made it through most of her stuff. But evidently she had a long, uh, a long history of that. And for those who don't know, who haven't seen Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, let's just go ahead and get it out there. Barris does claim that he once worked for the CIA in the 60s and the 70s, and that he claims to have killed 33 people. So he's never, he's never backed down on that. <laughs> so. Amazing. So he he's not gonna let that go. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's just it's it's an amazing. It's one of those facts that or one of those supposed facts or one of those things about a celebrity where you're just like what. But I love I love that he won't back down. It, it justifies logic. <laughs> it, it does. That you would, anyway, it's Chuck Harris. I mean, that's that's really all you can say about mm-hmm. it. Um. That's pretty much all the notes that I have on it. So, you know, yeah. anything else you want to add? I don't have a whole lot more to add. I'm just, I'm glad this is out. Uh, this disc yeah. is pretty nice. It looks good. It's got a commentary, which I didn't get a chance to listen to. I listened to about 15 minutes of it by a pop culture professional. I can't remember his name off the top of my head right now, but I'm sure there's a lot of good facts in there because, uh, like I said, you know, Barris is kind of a wealth of crazy stories and, and, uh, back, backstage shenanigans. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, any film with Kitty Navidad in it uh, can't be bad, right? I mean, she was also a big part of my childhood in a different way. She showed up in movies I wasn't supposed to be watching, but <laughs> when she was there, uh, friends with her on Facebook, I've, I've messaged her a few times, said I was a big fan. She actually replied back. It's nice. That's cool. Um, but she uh, she just, she's in it just briefly. A lot of people are in it just briefly. Like I said, Taylor Negron's in there, and he's in it just briefly. He passed away, uh, I guess, last year. If you don't know who he is, you just do uh, you see his face? Google him, and you've seen him in something, uh, many things: uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, uh, Last Boy Scout, some other stuff, <laughs> all kinds of things. Uh, better off dead. Oh yeah, better off dead. Yeah, uh, he he uh, he always had a deadpan delivery that I always appreciated. I always liked his delivery of lines. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, no, I always liked him. He had, and he had a very distinct face. He was yes. a very distinctive face. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The thing is, the, the, about the movie, like I said, it's not. I, I can't argue that this is a great movie in no. any way, shape, or form. I can only say it's worth a watch in the sense that, you know, it does exist. And I, I know that's a bizarre thing. And maybe for some people, that's not enough to watch something. And I get that. I totally do. But it's. Uh, I'm glad it's out there. I'm glad it's not a. You know, people. I used to talk about it, and people would be like, there's no gong show movie. <laughs> I was like, yeah, there was. I saw it. I know I saw it. I saw it multiple times on cable, like late at night when I wasn't supposed to. I remember there being more nudity in it than there was, but there wasn't as much as I thought there was, just a little bit. There was only, uh, there was what, like the burlesque dancer? There's J.P. Morgan. Um, I think it's just about it. The other thing else yeah. is kind of suggested. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think, uh, yeah, even the burlesque thing, that's Kitty Navidad. I think, she, I think she's even uh, mostly covered up. Yeah, yeah, I mean, no, there's no nipple or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, it's mostly, you know, as tasteful as that can be. Mm-hmm. 
but yeah, yeah, Chuck Barris at one point, uh, very interesting, uh, very interesting career, no doubt. All right, let's get into our MVTs and make or breaks, and we'll try to we'll try to rail off uh, Cemetery Man here too before uh, my little Titan of uh, Terror wakes up. <laughs> um, all right, make uh, the MVT for me is the uh, the attitude of it, uh, fun, mm. carefree, okay. uh, real light. Um, it's just, I mean, like I said, it's something that you, you put on to just kind of escape from reality because this whole movie is just an escape from reality. Um, and my make or break is going to be the Rip Taylor scene. Uh, he <laughs> fucking steals that fucking scene, and he almost walks away with the movie in yeah. that scene. Yeah. Uh, the same as the people on the Gong Show, you know, would do. Um, I just, I loved it. I loved him just sitting there going through his little hysterics and <laughs> yeah. histrionics and all that shit. Uh, I would, I don't remember if he threw glitter, but he should have. Uh, I'm sure he I threw something. I'm sure he did. It wasn't glitter. It was confetti. I'm sure he threw something. I mean, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I just I fucking loved it. So, um, and my score on this, I'm I'm really surprised I went as high as I did on this. Uh, I I gave it a seven out of ten. Nice. Um, it it just is really. It's like you said. It's something that you kind of have to, you have to see to believe. And it's it's definitely not for everybody. Certainly um, not. No. But uh, but I love it, and a lot of that is my connection to the Gong Show as a child. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm sure, um, and to but it's just it's fascinating to me to kind of it's almost like an interior look at Chuck Barris without being an interior look at Chuck Barris, uh, because I mean obviously anything that you know you're going to put on screen about yourself is going to have some tinge of reality to it. Right. Uh, but at the same time, it's also you know just a complete fabrication and. Uh, that's what's sort of fascinating to me about him and about the movie. Uh, so that's where I'm at. Nice. Kick it over to you, bud. Um, I'm going to agree with you on the score thing because I, th- I went higher than I thought I would too because watching the movie there was a times I was like, man, this is this is going to be tough to rate because I almost want to rip it apart, but it, yeah. it really works. But uh, my MVT is Barris. I mean, he's such an enigma and he's such he, – he, he, I, I can't explain. I can't explain Barris. I really can't. He's – he he's one of a kind. Mm-hmm. Uh, make or break. I'm gonna go with the the time capsule era type deal. It's a bit of a cheat, no doubt, but I do really like that uh, that Rip Taylor scene. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I do agree with you there. It's it's really great. Um, uh, my score is just a little bit lower than yours, six point seven five. Okay. Uh, this could easily for some people be a like a fucking two or something. Oh I mean, it, yeah, because it's a mess, but. It's fun. I mean, it's 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 a lot of fun. It's 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 certainly that time capsule type deal. Rip Taylor's still alive too. For some strange reason, I thought he passed away. Uh he's still yeah. around. Charles no, still Charles good. Elmer Taylor Jr. still around. Rip, oh, good old Rip. Uh, I mean, yeah, he's done. You know, he he's managed to. Wow. Oh, he even shows up in the. I've, oh, yeah, I guess he does. He does show up in the blooper reel of the Dukes of Hazard. He, I guess Johnny Knoxville's a big fan, so. <laughs> crazy <laughs> he's been in uh, porn parodies uh he's in the porn parody of a uh, deep throat called chatterbox and the happy hooker goes to washington oh i thought you were talking about like recent ones i was gonna say who hey, he... hey he's still i mean well he's still working he still pops up and stuff every now and then yeah well i know he was big on hollywood squares too for a while oh yeah i, mean, I, he's, least, he's I don't a, even know if they still have hollywood squares but uh he, he's made a whole career out of it's amazing being, being a yeah a panelist basically yeah. Yeah, being Rip Taylor. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. him I mean, and Tiny Tim, right? I mean, that's yeah. that kind of 
Yeah, they just, you know, they make a whole career out of that. It's amazing to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 51 credits. Uh, did a movie, last movie he did was in 2012 called Silent But Deadly. Oh, Jesus. Could be. I can uh, only imagine. <laughs> Let's listen to the pot summary here. Senior citizens are being offed by a mass killer who stalks the halls of the small retirement community in which they live. It looks like they turn on the uh, the uh, killer. Stars such people as Don Wells, Lee Merriweather, David Proval, Martin, wow. Martin Cove. Martin, yeah, Martin Cove's in this fucking thing. Hold on. Uh, Got to take a call from Martin Cove. Just, I said his name and phone rings. That's the way it goes. The GGTMC on on hot dial there on one. Martin Cove on one there, bay. Um. Wow, this movie that movie looks terrible. All right. It doesn't sound too good. No, it looks bad. But he's uh yeah he's still he's on the Aquabats every now and then he he still pops up. So. Good for nice. him. Good for him. I mean, he's made a career out of being Rip Taylor. I mean, not very many people can do that. No, I couldn't. <laughs> no, I mean, it's better than working for a living. Yeah. I'd rather walk around and throw confetti out of a bag or a pail. <laughs> go, ah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, have a, have a loaf mustache, you know. Loaf is the uh, Rip Taylor of podcasting. <laughs> he is. He has a, more hair on the top of his head, though. Yes, he does. Yeah. Yeah. Rip's... Uh, yeah, you don't want to rip. Seriously, too paid. Yeah, you don't want to rip that off because boy, I, he's been wearing that thing for years. Uh huh. And you really need to change the style of it, to be honest with you. But yeah, yeah. six six point seven. What it smells like though. Ooh, six point seven five uh, <laughs> is what I'll go with. But yeah, check it out. It's uh, out there. I think Shot Factory put it out. Uh, uh yeah, it was Shot Factory. Yeah. So cool. Finally, glad it came out. All right. Normally, I'd play a break right here, but again, pinch for time. So we're just going to keep on trucking. Rolling, rolling, rolling. I had Palisades Park lined up to play, but you know what? I'll play it next week because that's the kind of show we are. We're professional. (laughs) I'll play it on a week when we have nothing to do with Chuck Barris. Um, So we'll get into Della Morte, Della More. This film is from 1994. Now, I have a bit of a history with this movie. I remember reading about it in a uh, Fangoria magazine. And as a lifelong Italian horror movie fan, was super excited because it looked like Suave, Michele Suave, it looked like he was uh, trying to go for, trying to recapture some of that Italian kind of grew and stuff and gore from the early 80s. Kind of Fulci-esque type stuff. <clears throat> so uh, we'll get in, and I kind of happened upon it by accident on cable one night. So we'll get into this and uh, see what we'll, see what we got here. Okay, uh, Delamorte Delamore, also known as Cemetery Man. Uh, a cemetery man must kill the dead a second time when they become zombies. So pretty, pretty, wow. yeah, pretty simple plot. It's uh, stars uh, Rupert Everett, Francois Hagiez Lazaro, and Anna Falky. Falky, I think she's from- yeah. Falky. She's from Finland, I believe. Mickey Knox is in there, too. Now, Mickey Knox, uh, he played uh, Marshall Stranero. I think that's actually the dead man that she's married to. <laughs> uh, Mickey Knox was in a lot of uh, Italian films. Uh, and he's been in some... Uh, I don't think he's in Mike's uh, Mike Malloy's documentary, but he's he was in something. I, I, I don't remember seeing him in that, no. Yeah, but he, he was in something, because uh, he worked a lot in uh, Italian movies. But uh, you see his well, face. 
uh, uh, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't he? I think he would have been in stage fright as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He worked with Suave a few times. Mm-hmm. And Coppola and, and, you know, I mean, well, Godfather Part 3. But he's a Murder Rock, you know, stuff like uh, Bronx Warriors. Stuff like that. Yeah. High Rollers, Bobby Deerfield. I mean, he did some other stuff, too. But he's just a character actor who made a career out of popping up stuff. Nothing super significant, I would say, but not not a guy that would turn down anything either. Cool Ghoulies 2, you know. One of the few people in Godfather Part 3 and in Ghoulies 2, uh, probably. <laughs> you know, just the way it goes. Uh, <laughs> I'm guessing that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. Um, and stage fright, you know. So yeah, he's got uh, you know three films that probably nobody else is in together in in a way. Okay. And White Heat. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, Rupert Everett's an interesting actor to me. I thought he was going to be a really big star. I really did. I thought he was going to be huge. He had a movie star looks. Yep. Um, he came off of this movie. Ended up in uh, My Best Friend's Wedding. I think. Uh, sh- not too long after that, ninety seven, so three years after, and he got he he got really good reviews for that. And uh, he's a, a homosexual actor, I believe, but he he has like matinee star looks, so they could, you know, he could. Well, I know he was when he originally uh, came on the scene. Uh, he was compared to Cary Grant for his looks. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and and so you know they could have you know used that for, but you know maybe. Maybe, you know, coming out, maybe when he did, maybe that did hurt his career. There's been arguments that, you know, some actors, big actors uh, that are out there that are quote-unquote homosexual or something else, uh, that they uh, won't come out because, you know, they're afraid it's going to hurt their career. Sure. Uh, no, Everett. I think that's a very real, I think that's a very real fear. Um, yeah. yeah, sadly, I mean, one, it one still one is. The thing that I will say is, is not knowing that he was gay when I first watched this. Uh, he completely convinced me he was a straight guy. So I mean, he's certainly talented enough to. Doesn't you know what I'm saying? It's not. Uh, it doesn't make a difference. Sure, sure. If you can act, you can act. Yeah, and the guy can act. Mm-hmm. Um, so and he looks yeah. good. I mean, like I said, he had those matinee looks. He he looks nice. He had a very uh, not only chiseled physique, but he had a very chiseled jawline. Great face. I mean, just you know. Very yeah yeah a lot right. of um what's the word I'm looking for um character in that face mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so you know with all the ability I mean he can act I mean Anna, Anna Falky she she looks great uh, she certainly has an appeal I don't know about her acting ability and this she's kind of one note and I don't think I don't think that's her voice I'm not uh, sure I don't think so yeah I'm not sure if it's her voice anyway and again she only really has to be one note in this right because sure. she only Sure. Yeah, she's just uh, you know, as she's the object of affection. Yeah, she's uh, she's actually uh, just uh, labeled in the film as she. Yes. And so she doesn't even really have a uh, uh, a name. She's just a uh, yeah, an object of affection or obsession. Maybe it might be the better word. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is interesting. Watching this film this time, I got a totally different uh, take on it now than I had before. But I, I kind of had that take originally. So I'll, I'll lead on this. I'll talk. We talked about the cast and crew a little bit. Suave. We've talked about before on the show. Uh, Will has kind of a love hate, maybe not love hate, but kind of a complicated relationship with him. I think he's interesting, uh, certainly. Uh, He, I think he he held on to the Italian, uh, Italian vibe as long as anybody, and he might be the last of the Italian directors to make. well, outside of people who are still working like uh, Argento or people like that, he certainly was the last one I can remember that really was making these type of movies into the 90s. Uh, this movie was uh, the last one of those that I think he made. 
Uh, but before that, he had made The Church in 89 and The Devil's Daughter and Stage Fright, obviously, in 87, which we covered on the show. And he had been in uh, Argento films and, and other uh, other people's movies uh, throughout his career. And uh, obviously, he'd worked with uh, Eastman and, and, and Bava, Lamberto Bava, and people like that. So he'd always kind of been around. And I think he's got an interesting visual style. Uh, this film obviously feels very. It does feel very Italian. Uh, it 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 looks like it's mostly shot on sets. Uh, there is a cemetery they're shooting in. I don't know where, but it looks like a lot of the stuff at night. And certainly with the effects, has got to be on sets mostly. I guess probably for control. Yeah, because yeah. there's some heavy effects here. It's gory, but not overtly gory. But that's the thing. Is yeah, it it uh, it does it doesn't revel in the gore like you would you might expect. Uh, well, you would definitely expect an Italian uh, mm-hmm. horror movie to to do it. It, it is gory, but it, yeah, it doesn't like kind of play in the guts as it were. Mm-hmm. And, but but I think that some of the things I like about this movie the most are the Italian appeal of it. It does feel unlike any. It it feels like that last kind of bastion, that last kind of hope. Yeah. in some ways for Italian cinema and the kind of yeah. cheapness yet the kind of artistic way that this stuff is looked at because as you know I mean obviously there's a little bit of an Evil Dead 2 feel to it with the way the camera moves but it's not as Evil Dead 2 is much more in your face Yeah, this yeah. I feel like is it's kind of hanging on to that Italian sensibility of, of old but kind of trying to adapt to the horror you know kind of newer filmmaking at the same time um it's very much yeah again again these are both cult films no doubt about it some people love this movie i mean i mean they fucking love it uh this movie definitely has its audience i know will saw it uh five or six years ago when we were talking show he does not like it at all yeah no we we actually touched on this uh last week because i watched a couple of uh other michele suave movies Mm -hmm. recently or rewatched them i should say and uh, of the three that I watched, uh, for me, you know, just the spoilers, this is my favorite of them. So mm-hmm. uh, we had a little bit of a, a parting of the ways on that. But Yeah. No, no, no. I can see that. I can yeah. see that. Uh, well, Will, I think, I, I think uh, you know, the, this is kind of gets roped into horror comedy. Now, this, this, this gets into an interesting territory for me. And this gets into the territory of comedy being subjective. And I hear walking around upstairs. So hopefully I'll be able to get through this before we have to get done here. Okay. It might appear as comedy to me, and or not to me, and to some, and it's certainly ludicrous in, in a lot of ways. I mean, I, I have no doubt about that. But for me, this movie, and I don't know how you feel, it, it feels more offbeat than it does comedic. It doesn't feel, yeah. maybe the offbeatness can be seen as comedic, but for me, this movie doesn't feel like a horror comedy uh, no, at it, all. It feels more like an absurdist kind of kafka-esque almost mm-hmm, mm-hmm. sort of uh a take on uh on this sort of thing and yeah I, I have to wonder um if my liking of it more than suave's other movies and and the uh the tone of it it has as much to do with uh, the novel that it's based on by uh tiziano scalavi um than it is to do with uh, with anything else yeah um I mean, I haven't read any of the guy's work. I know he created the Dylan Dog character, which was very popular in Italy, and they, they made that movie with Brandon Routh, Routh which was um, eh, kind of mediocre. But They tried to make it with uh, Rupert Everett, oddly. But yeah, he, he ended yeah. up backing out of it, I believe. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I, I mean, this is really just kind of... It, 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 
I would agree with you. It's, it's more offbeat than it is anything else. It's it's not a com. If it's if it's if it's comedy, it's very black comedy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's not like in your face mugging kind of comedy yeah. or yeah. something you you might get from like Europe or. Uh, um, it's not like that ribald kind of goofy slap the ass kind of comedy. Yeah. And um, I often wonder where people get the comedy sensibility. I don't know if it's in the the Nagi character. I think it is. It is largely in that. I mean, there are things that are humorous in it, like the 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 thing with the head in well, the television. Now, and that sort of well, thing. well, now you now you get to the point. Next point I'm getting ready to make. So let me go into that. Okay. For me, if you buy into this movie, up until the point to where there's a disembodied head following Nagi around. That might be the most absurd thing in the movie. Once, yeah. it, once it gets to that point, if you're not picking up what this movie's putting down at that point, <laughs> you're probably going to tune out. And I often wondered and wanted to ask Will, and I kind of wish he was on for this review. I've often wanted to ask him, where does this movie fall off the cliff for him? Uh, because, you know, we all have movies like that where we don't understand why the people like something. And usually you can kind of tie it back to one thing that really just kind of drives you crazy the nagi character to me is interesting this time around i almost saw the nagi character as well i don't want to say it yet because i'll say it toward the end but uh, i saw him differently than i saw him the last time but i've never really caught on as he's a comedic character i've always felt really bad for the nagi character since it's kind of a similar to the age-old igor syndrome where you know you got this character who's a simpleton who, uh, he's almost like a Lenny, mm-hmm. uh, a mice and men kind of. Yeah, his heart's in the right place, but he can't. You know, he he's not gifted with looks. He's not gifted with social abilities, and perhaps he has a low IQ. Um, so he he has everything against him, and uh, his his character. The, I mean, the movie's obvious, obviously a play on tragic love stories because I mean, all all the love stories in the film, the two love stories in the film are tragic. Mm-hmm. But I would argue there's three love stories in the movie, which I'll get to. Uh, one of my favorite lines from the film is uh, "Go away, I haven't got time for the living," which I love that line. That's, that's a really good line. Uh, I guess for me, you know, again, I, I think the offbeatness of the movie it, it, it kind of works for me. Again, I don't think this movie's a masterpiece. Um, I would probably maybe be in the same boat with you though, because I don't love the church. I think it's okay, and I don't love. Um, stage fright either i mean we like it quite a bit i mean i like it quite yeah. a bit it's got the most one of the most interesting killers ever i mean <laughs> you no, can't argue with the owl head i mean you argue with that with me and i'll say well, show me something more interesting of course you can you know there's i've seen a few night of the dribblers a good one uh, this guy's got a basketball head but the uh the uh <laughs> the stage fright one is uh you know one of the most unique surely and uh i'm trying to think if there's anything else suave's uh I mean, obviously, he's been involved in stuff I like more than the stuff he's made himself. But I'm trying to see if there's one I'm missing, maybe. that. No, that's pretty much it. Those three. Of those three, yeah, I would say I like Cemetery Man the most of the three. I just think, it, 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 you know, what he's, what he's riffing on works all the way through the movie. This, this, this tale of obsession, of uh, bad decisions based on obsession, and uh, by both characters. And in turn, putting both characters in the same boat or the same small car uh, is is what's going on. Um, I think also this film's deeper than a lot of people. I mean, there's a nice juxtaposition of him. You know, he's kind of constructing a skull while destroying others, which is mm-hmm. kind of his, you know, uh, for me, that seems like almost like a, you know, obviously, this Della Morte, he loves the living, but he has to 
deal with the dead. So it, there's this really nice kind of juxtaposition to to his character that I think's nice. Well, it's interesting also uh, because he's very much. I think he's very much a cynic, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, one of the lines that I wrote down was, "We all do what we can not to think about life." Right. Uh, while he's watching Nagi uh, chase the leaves around the uh, the cemetery. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, which is what Nagi does. Nagi does to not think about life. He watches TV, he eats, and he chases dead leaves. Yes, he eats spaghetti like the kid from Gummo. Oh, yeah, it's it's gross. It's, it's hideous. <laughs> Nagi's life is a terrible, miserable existence, uh, but, you know, he's happy as long as he's yep. with Della Morte, which gets me to my last point. I think watching this movie this time, that the true love story of this movie is Nagi and Della Morte. I mean, these two guys love each other, not in a sexual way, but in the way you love a best friend. You know, he takes care of Nagi. Nagi takes care of him. I mean, it, it's a long-lasting relationship. Uh, and it's the most proven relationship in the movie. All, you get all the way to the end. And I like the kind of what-the-fuck type ending in a way. But I yeah, like, well, no, but it does make sense in a it way. Does, if it you does. Think about it for a few minutes. It, yeah. I think it makes perfect sense for the film. Yeah. And especially since they kind of, uh, they do have the forethought to foreshadow it at the very beginning with the rosebud kind of mm-hmm. rosebud kind of uh, snow globe shot. Yeah. So, but it, the, the, but again, like I said, this this movie is certainly an acquired taste. I can understand, you know, not liking it. I, I totally get where Will's coming from. I would just be curious, and I need to ask him because I haven't had a chance to talk to him because I've been changed shifts lately and. And uh, where our schedules are different, so I haven't really had a chance to talk to him. Usually when he calls me, I'm out. I'm sleeping like a, I don't know, like Anna Falky in a, in a cemetery, which isn't very good, I guess. Uh, and also, if you're a fan of hers, you could see her very nude in this. So if you're, yes. if that, that's one of something you want, some exploitation elements, there's that. Um, yeah, I mean, I really don't have a whole lot more to say, but I, I would be curious if that, to me, it's almost like that, that disembodied head moment is the moment where you either buy it or you move on. Yeah. Yeah. And, I would agree with that. And especially me, when, when it's actually, actually trailing after him, actually sure. moving after him. And I mean, I, I can be forthright in saying that's already my make or break scene because to me that either makes the movie or breaks it for you. I mean, it really does because if you can get past that, I think you can ride the rest of the movie just fine. I think you'll find a lot in it, but if you can't get past that point, I think you'll either think it's, you know, average fare or, you know, it, it, it's it's a, a, maybe a hidden gem from the 90s. It's amazing. You know, it's got a 7.3 on IMDb. It's rated higher than a lot of movies that uh, that I love. Um, it's, you know, 16,000 people have rated it and it's came out with a 7.3. That's pretty amazing when you think about it. Mm-hmm. No, it is. All right, I'll First, kick it over to you if you got anything. Um, I have a few things. Um, the cinematography is great. Lighting composition. It's just outstanding looking mm-hmm. uh, of a film. Uh, there are there's there seems like the uh, the office that he goes to with all the paperwork and the the curtains blowing and I thought that that was very Gilliam esque. Uh, it just really struck me as being something that Terry Gilliam would have shot a hundred percent. And I think that uh, you know it's just a nice little nice little touch. Whether or not uh, uh, Gilliam is uh, an influence on Swabi, and I would kind of think that he is, but um, certainly, certainly. I mean, well, I know Gilliam's influenced by Italian cinema, and I know he's a fan of Italian cinema, so certainly some of his stuff. Sure, a little bit of crossbreeding there. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Do, 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 do. Uh, I like the scene where uh, Nagi pukes on the boss's daughter. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, again, and like, she, just, like, she just hops on a motorcycle and rides off, and I'm yeah. just like, oh my god, you didn't even fucking wipe it off, man. Oh, I love, I love the. <laughs> I love the ridiculousness of all the motorcycle stuff and, you know, the way they ride off all cool and stuff and the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, there's a uh, a bus accident that's really juicy, like yeah. really juicy. Yeah, it's juicy, all right. Uh, <laughs> In the way only Italians could do it, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I think the movie does leave a lot unexplained. You kind of have to take it as it is. Uh, like yeah. kind of what we've been we we've been kind of talking about here. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the great uh, callback to well, I'm assuming it's a callback to Psychomania, where the motorcycle blows out of the grave. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Um, Again, and, it's totally yeah, ridiculous. The, girlfriend, the, girlfriend, the girlfriend's such an idiot, though. <laughs> no, she. I mean, she said she's uh, she says he's only eating me, yeah. which I guess could be taken multiple ways, but in this case, it can only be taken one. Yeah. Um, it's another great line, great moment. It's a, it's a moment that people uh, quote often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's lots of dirt being thrown over the lens in the movie. Lots of uh, POV yeah. shots from inside the grave. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there's uh, there's that scene where you get the sense that Nagi is smarter than he pretends to be. Yeah. Uh, which I really liked. Uh, where he's putting the skull back together and then he takes it apart before uh, De La Morte gets home. Mm-hmm. Uh, ba 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 Uh, Nagi has some serious ass sweats. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, he does. He's got the, he's got the ass sweat always. In this movie. <laughs> yeah. Poor guy. I know. I feel uh, for him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we talked about the head. Uh, it's not really a plot-heavy movie. It kind of, you know, in in some ways, it's kind of a little bit of a linked up to uh, the Gong Show movie, mm-hmm. and that just kind of it, it doesn't really. Ha- I mean, it has segments. Uh, and it has an overarching theme, and it has an o- it has a story, but it's not really involved with a, a plot that you're following beat to beat to beat. It'll go off on a tangent for, you know, five ten minutes, mm-hmm. and then come back. Um, so I mean, that that might be another reason why some folks don't really really care for it because, and I find that kind of hard to believe because Italian cinema is kind of notorious for being uh, not plot heavy. Right. Um, it uh, the movie really goes off the deep end in the last third. Uh, last third of it, which I liked. Um, uh, there's that whole thing. Well, it, there's. The, uh, I'm not gonna. I was gonna get into it, but no, I'm, I'm, I don't want to spoil that piece of it for, for anybody. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's the there's a surgery scene which was pretty cringeworthy yeah. <laughs> uh, at first. Um, I like that the the zombies in this when they come back they got like you know tree branches growing in their head. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that. It's a nice uh, touch. <laughs> and it doesn't take long too. It's like a, like <laughs> they come back the same night and they have like fucking roots coming out of them yeah, all. Yeah. Over what's the what's what's in them trees, man? Them trees, them trees are getting well watered or something, you know. Yeah, buddy, they got that uh, fertile <laughs> that uh, miracle growing there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Delamorte is basically looking for love in all the wrong places, right? I mean, that's sure. kind of what it what it boils down to. Um, do uh, oh uh, there is that that thing where um, they play him as being not necessarily well. Again, it's it's tough to get into without spoiling too much, but he's not. He does some questionable things, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it's uh, it, it's not necessarily that he's doing it but then he is like it's not like he's necessarily the guy in control but he is the guy in control right 
Uh, I'm trying to dance around it as best I can, but I I found that really interesting, especially since, you know, he's supposed to be the, um, you know, the leading man and uh, the guy that that we're following. And up until that point, uh, he's a pretty normal guy. Uh, Like I said, just looking for love in all the wrong places. But um, you you get to those, and it's only a few times in the film, but that's kind of where I'm talking about that it goes off the deep end. Um, Is when he starts to do things that are a little more gray area, Mm -hmm. let's let's say. Uh, So I found that interesting. I found that, you know, that's one of the things that I find more fascinating about the the film uh, and what it's doing with the the character. And again, I don't know whether that goes back to the the, uh, Sklavi uh, source material or not. Um, I'd be interested to to see. I've always wanted to read some of his stuff. I haven't gotten around to it yet. Uh, the uh, the ending is very odd but fitting, um, and do, 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 it is circular in that it comes back around to the beginning of the the movie. I like that. Uh, I love when you know there's enough forethought to uh, to give you that kind of thing, to give you the payoff, and, and show you that it was kind of there all the time, even though you didn't really know it. Um, it's a fatalistic movie in some ways mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. you know love and death are inevitable and that's what the movie is love and death i mean that's the guy's name pretty much so yep. um even when you're actively trying to avoid them uh you know you can't and that's really yeah. one of the the major themes i think is, is going on through the movie yeah. uh like we've been talking about uh, everett really does a great job carrying the film um he's really weary uh world weary without being tiresome Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of hard for people to, to pull off and uh, again you look at the, the correlation to the Gong Show movie where Chuck Barris is just world weary and you're just kind of like but I don't feel really bad for you Chuck <laughs> here you're kind of like oh, I kind of feel bad for uh, for Delamorte yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I do think uh, finally that this, this really is a, a wonderful coda to the Italian zombie uh, genre mm-hmm. uh, or the, even the Italian horror genre in its heyday yeah, uh, I think this is a nice little punctuation uh, yeah. mark at the end of it. It really is kind of the last of its kind in a lot of yeah. ways. I mean, there's been other stuff since then, but well, I saw, I yeah, I saw this, and like you, I, I read about it first in Fangoria, and then uh, I caught it in a uh, a video store when I was living down in Philadelphia, um, in one of the TLAs that they have down there, uh, which was what the you know the good video store, um, <laughs> and uh, they had a whole bunch of stuff like this, and uh, that's where I caught it, and. You know, I really liked it the first time, but it was—it still was odd because it wasn't quite what I was expecting based on the article. Um, but I still liked it. Now, having you know, aged a little bit and uh, <laughs> and uh, seen some more some more of the uh, from that area and that that genre, yeah, uh, I like it a little bit more. So, yeah, uh, that's all I got on it, Ben. All right, we'll get into the uh, make or break show. It's like we managed to make an hour out of the show. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. We 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 had to hustle, but we we did it. We did it. Yes, go team. Yes, uh, make or break for me. Uh, the head scene, like I said, either you're either on board at that point or you're off. Uh, so I can see it going either way because it's probably the most probably the most absurd thing in the movie. I'm trying to think, but the motorcycle thing is pretty absurd too. Because oh, yeah. I can't figure out. The motorcycle was on top, I think, when they buried it. So I can't figure out how he got back on it. But again, then again, I'm, I'm thinking too much with a movie like that. So, but it is a very, you know, silly exploitation element of the motorcycle driver coming back from the dead, obviously, and her still being in love and all that silliness. And and like you said, it, it is, you know, very much about love and death and the kind of inevitable results of both of those uh, emotions. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. both of them men well, both of them men badly. I mean, there's there's no 
ifs, ands, or buts about it. And really, they're probably the most key things about life. I mean, that's really ultimately two things you don't have control over. <laughs> so, no, no. kind of hard to explain. Yeah, it's kind of hard to explain, but you don't really have control over those things. And I think it's a nice element that that they uh, that they never released. You know, if I had one real complaint about the movie for me, the major complaint I would have is I think there's an excessive amount of gunfire in the movie. Uh, which I'm okay with guns typically, and this has a great this has a great Italian gun sound effect. It should be said this, that they're definitely taking the spaghetti western. It's like he pulled up, he dialed up the only sound effects the Italians had for guns. Yeah, yeah. Um, but for me, everybody's a good shot. Again, that's a nitpick, no doubt. But I could do without the excessive amount of gunfire. I kind of like the, the I kind of like the shovel, the pickaxe. I like those elements better. But that's yeah. just a personal. Well, but if you think about it in terms of his job, I mean, it makes sense. It's the quickest way to, to sure. do the job rather than having to get close to sure. you know a returner as sure. they're called. Yeah, yeah. Uh, MVT for me is Suave in this case. Uh, maybe his best film. Uh, certainly his most complete film. Uh, Stage Fright has elements that I like and don't like. I don't remember what I gave Stage Fright. I may even give it a higher score than this. I don't think I did, but um, who knows? You know, as time goes on and I could rewatch Stage Fright now, maybe give it a lower score. I don't know. Uh, but my score for this is a 7.5 out of 10. I, I enjoyed it. It was nice to watch this again. Uh, it's entertaining. It's short. Um, I like the sensibilities of it. I like the uh, the tragic romance uh, take, and uh, I like the relationship between Nagi and uh, Della Morte. Okay, cool. Um, my make or break is going to be the scene where Death visits uh, Della Morte. Ah, yes, that's a good. Uh, one. <laughs> I I really love that. Uh, again, it goes back to my love of Gilliam, and again, I think it is an influence from Gilliam on this movie. Sure. Um. And it's just one of those great things. It's a nice little, uh, you know, moment of the conversation itself is is interesting. But then it's also, you know, is this in his head? Is it not? And it starts to mix that that, that sort of reality fantasy thing um, that, that that may be going on uh, in his head. Uh, MVT for me is going to be Suave uh, as well. Uh, I think he has a, he really really brings his A game on this visually um, and you know uh, structurally as much as he can uh, with the material. Um, and he, he makes this thing, uh, you know, I, I really like it. It's, uh, it's, it is his most complete and coherent, uh, uh, <laughs> which again, <laughs> to call this movie coherent is kind of odd for how odd it is and how odd the bits of it are. It's a very disparate film, but it's also, you know, it makes a sense, uh, as it goes through it always, it always keeps its theme omnipresent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, and it uh, it sticks to its guns. Um, and my score is exactly the same as yours on this one. It's a seven point five. So. Nice, nice. Yeah, I was going to agree with this, and that's good. That's Bill good. is going to be digging his fingernails out of the armchair rests. <laughs> I, I haven't listened to the Midnight Ride yet, but I know, like I said, I know he didn't like it when he watched it last time. So yeah, no, he, he wasn't a particular fan of it. No. And like I said, I don't know. I wonder what it was about it. That I mean, I don't. I didn't listen to hear him say, but I wonder what it was. I guess he just didn't like the uh, the comedic undertones for him. Just didn't work. Uh, I don't recall offhand, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, well, that is the show. Again, I want to thank Diabog DVD for uh, supporting us and sponsoring the show and and all that good stuff. Head over there. Let them know. You know, whenever you have communication with them, let Jesse and the guys know that you know GGTMC Why sent you over there. Yeah, let them know we sent you over that way. 
uh, that's always good for us. And, uh, yeah, support the guys, man. I mean, yeah. it's harder and harder to find this stuff in stores, I can tell you that. Uh, yeah, no, they have good customer service, I will say that. Oh, yeah. No, it's, yeah, it's great. It's great. It's some that's of the best. not just blowing smoke, so. No. It's some of the best. It's very personal, too. Like, you know, you can just totally communicate with the guys, and they're great, so. Um, next week, uh, you know what? I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what we're doing, and uh, we'll just wait and see. I'm sure we got some stuff. I know we got stuff we got to do, so. Um, I need to send some stuff to you, and uh, you still might have some stuff that we need to do, but you know what? I'm not even going to try to figure out what that might be right now because <laughs> we've kind of hustled through everything else. Uh, sort of give you guys a heads up. Will is coming back soon. Uh, again, Todd, the door's open for Todd. Uh, we're going to leave it up to him if he wants to stick around or not. Well, uh, you know, obviously if he wants to get up in the mornings and do this, uh, that's fine with us. Um, we love having you, as always, Todd. It's great. Oh, thanks again for – yeah, thanks again for uh, – all that you do and for stepping in while Will's been out. I, you know, I've said it's often, but it, it, it is uh, nice to have that element because it is tough. I mean, with the time we record, the way we do things, it's not, uh, you know, it's not all smooth sailing. Let me put it that way. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Uh, okay. I don't really think we have anything else. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this kind of shortened show, but I think we still gave you everything that we give you. Maybe Fast some furious. some uh, some bad quotes for other podcasts or some quotes other podcasts can pull and say, "Wow, can you believe they said that this week?" Uh, <laughs> such as the uh, the vodka and pussy line. Anyway, <laughs> uh, we will see you next week. I don't know, like I said, don't know what we're doing, but we'll be there. So with that, I'll say adios. Adios. Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com and you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com 